Welcome to Something Crunchy. Tyler is homies with Blake. Blake is the older bro of Blair. Blair is married to Tyler and is a slutty slut slut. Welcome to Something Crunchy. What the hell is crunchy? Welcome to Something Crunchy. Welcome to another special edition episode of Something Crunchy. I am Cullen Blake. With me as always, Blair and Tyler Dressel. Wow, do we have a cool guest with us tonight, Rock Royalty joining the Crunch cast. Yes. You know him from bands like Supertramp, Toto, and Pink Floyd. Please welcome Scott Page. Oh, the crowd roars. Oh, they did roar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scott Page here. Hi, nice to see you all. Nice to meet you all. And thank you very much for having me on your show. And I thought I was going to do the big crowd roar, but you did it anyway, right? Have you covered? Thank you so much for joining us. How are you, Mr. Page? Oh, my pleasure. Uh, actually, I'm excellent. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a really fun time, even though, I mean, it's been a crazy time, obviously, because of all of this crazy lockdown and stuff. But, you know, I'm one of those people that I've learned in my life that the most important thing is to look for the upside and down. Absolutely. Uh, so yes. I, you know, I just believe that there's, you know, this whole situation has created more opportunities as an entrepreneur than I've ever seen in my life. And I think there's just incredible times for people artists musicians to take advantage of all the things that are going on right now but you have to you know look for them and see what's going on because there's some great stuff that's actually going on through all of this oh we're gonna get into yeah. that come on such an opportunist you are i know love to hear come that on. that's cool well, in a time when we miss going to shows more than ever and i think appreciate mm -hmm. them now more than ever you're sitting on one of the most entertaining shows on the planet uh, tell us about Think EXP and Think Floyd, the immersive virtual reality experience providing oh. 360 degrees of mind-melting magic. Oh God, too cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, so, so um, you know, quite a few years ago, well, you know, for the last four or five years, I started to realize that, you know, you can't sell music anymore. There's no place to sell any music, right? There's Where do you sell music? It, it's all streaming services. Right? And for most artists, it's not a it's not a great business model. I mean, it can be okay if you can get, you know, I mean, a million streams will get you roughly, you know, $4,000, right? But, you know, oh. if you look at Spotify, there's probably, I think, I think the last time I heard it was like probably roughly like only two to 3% of the people hit that number. So imagine 95% of everything yeah. on Spotify doesn't read it. So it's really not a great business model for artists. So I realized that the opportunity really is in the, the, in the experience, and so we started really thinking, I started Think, Think EXP, it's a Think Experience, and it's really an immersive entertainment company. So it's focused on really immersive experiences based on kind of new technologies and things. So our first Think Experience was a Think Floyd experience. We decided to do yes. Pink Floyd because I, it made sense. And we uh, did 40 shows in a 360 degree immersive dome oh in, a place called, in, a, in a place called Wisdom downtown LA. We sold out 40 shows and... It's a trip. You lay there on the ground and you're surrounded. It's almost like a shared VR experience and the band's doing Floyd. You know, people are smoking weed. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, God. you have continued to find new and innovative ways to get the next generation of fans to come do drugs at your shows. Yeah. Yes. Is, <laughs> wasn't me. Amazing. I mean, you could just smell it in the room. Like, it was crazy. But, <laughs> it wasn't me. Uh, 
No, it sounds you know, like so, you don't even need to be on drugs at these shows. No, no, you didn't. You didn't really. No, I mean, it was just the point is that it was just a great experience. Yeah. And we started realizing, you know, people will fa- pay for an experience. And, you know, we were getting a, roughly an average $80 a ticket, which was great and selling out. So it was a really good business to think about that. So Think Experience is really focused on this immersive stuff. And now what happened was we were ready to have our biggest year. We were getting ready to launch this uh, 1,600-seat immersive theater downtown at the uh, Queen Mary and we were working on that deal and we had jazz fest set up and we were going to europe i because inside of think experience is a band called think x which is myself from you know my floyd gaze and then stephen perkins from jane's addiction and norwood fisher from fishbone and uh wow. kenny olsen kid rock kind of an old kind of an all-star band and we yeah. um, played gigs so we were going to have our big year and then i woke up one morning and everything was shut down oh. and it was like huh what's going to happen you know so i just realized that you know I'm a, I'm a big, um, I'm a, I believe here's the most fundamental thing. And I try to say this on every show to remind people, the only thing that's real is you and us, you and me talking right now, right? Two minutes, two minutes ago is a complete illusion. And two minutes from now is an illusion, right? It's a complete, it has, it's It's not real. The only thing that's real. So I realized, so I got up that morning, had a cup of coffee, said, gee, we lost everything, all our revenue, everything's shut down. We don't get any gigs. Everything's done. And I just realized, well, that was all an illusion, too. It never happened. <laughs> it was only only in my head. So I can't get I, I, there's no reason for me to get hung up on it. So I started to really think about looking at different what are the new business models? And I come out of uh, technology, I've not only as an artist, but I've, I've I'm on my uh, fourth startup and I've had uh they're all been in the tech space. I was fortunate enough and very thankful. I took one of them public on a NASDAQ company. And so I've been through the whole business side of it. I'm an entrepreneur. So I started looking at where is the market going? And I realized there were three things that were really happening, right? Well, number one, we knew we're not going to get in front of a lot of people in in concerts right now. We're not going to fill, you know, 5,000 people in a room. It's just going to happen for a bit. Right. And then I also realized the main invention that's happened right now is really the concept of real time two way streaming, not just streaming, but two way streaming, the, the, the back channel, the real time, just like you do a zoom call, you're doing real time two way. Right. And I realized that was a major opportunity and how can I, you know, the opportunity to bring fan in stream. Right. So on a show. And then the third thing I realized was delivery service because everybody's using delivery services now. So we're launching uh, Livin.Live, which is a combination of a live premium type of show uh, streaming, but bringing fans into the event, being part of it through a virtual experience, through screens and through all that, bringing them, making them part of the show, and then doing a delivery box that shows up at somebody's house prior to our show. Wow. So we can do we can do pre-show, you know, we can do wine tasting and food tasting and all these things. And in oh, this that's box. Cool. All this stuff in the box shows up that makes the party fun because I think a lot of people are going to, you know, stay at home now and invite their friends over for parties. And I realize that, you know, people have Super Bowl parties and live events can be exciting. So so we designed this business model for, you know, making that happen. So we've now shifted our business and we're getting ready. We're going to do our first big one coming up in um, in July. And that'll be the kind of the big swan song for that. And I'm yeah, very yeah. excited. I'm God, the time is now. You really are an opportunity. That yeah. Man, that's a oh, yeah. great idea. Very creative. Thank you. And wow. That's, Thank you. That's excellent. That's what you need right now. It's just like creativity. Any idea when the tour will resume? Um, well, again, we it's it's looking, you know, there's looking like in L.A. They're talking about opening up in June, wow, uh, mid-June. Okay. 
So, and you know, there are some tours that are already getting booked and some people going out. So there's some of that, but again, my whole show is I'm, I'm doing it. uh, I partnered with a place called uh, Laurel Canyon live and it's the most state of the art production facility I've ever seen in the world. It's just, and you know, I'm a tech guy in the business and this place is crazy. And so we're going to be launching our whole living thing. But you know, what's really exciting. If you want to talk about excitement right now is the fact of what's going on with NFTs. Have you been following that at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so I've basically launched on top of living an entire uh, NFT business with uh, my partners from Cosmic Wire, and we are getting ready to launch a whole series of NFTs with a whole bunch of major celebrities around the whole concept, and I'm actually getting ready to release uh, 40 years of my collectibles. Uh, because I've been collecting all this stuff from all these bands through the years, from Toto and Supertramp and right. Floyd and all these gigs that I've done through the years. And so um, I'm very excited about this space because it's more than just a transaction. It's it's the concept of tokenizing is basically revolutionizing the planet. Yeah. And I truly believe that right now, this fundamental shift, with most, which a lot of people don't realize what it means. They don't understand the technology. They don't understand what this does. But this basically has changed the landscape for artists, creators, and people that own IP. It's incredible. I, you, no labels. You don't need labels anymore. You just you have a way to monetize your content, to monetize your stuff, and at the same time track it. It's the new publishing. It's this whole new era, and this is going to completely change the landscape of the entertainment business. You I'm are. Totally- you're 100% correct. And when it comes to music, that is an absolute no-brainer. I want you to settle a debate for us. Tyler believes that we can monetize a podcast through NFTs, at least in segments, or that it could be revolutionary to throw podcasts into the game. I don't know if it could be done that way. Tyler, Absolutely. Thinks, Tyler thinks it should have happened oh, yesterday. Agree. Settle this of debate course. for us. Thank Good you. Tyler. You get an A. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. He is like. You get an A, girl. (laughs) Yes. You. 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 See, I know who's smart in this group. I can tell. Thank you, sir. Very clear. It's very clear. Who's paying attention? I like having people to pay attention. That's good. Good job. Thank you. Um, Yeah. No question. Everything is going to be is going to be anybody that's not doing it is missing out because basically you then control the entire entity of that podcast. So even downstream, you have control of it. Everything will be segmentized. Now, if I was you, I would start thinking about ways of tying that to unique things that you can do with your podcast. Like again, if I, if um, we were having a podcast, like any perfect example is you could have like my whole thing of, you could have sent me something, a box that I could have had, and we could have been talking about it. Like, let's say we're sponsored by a coffee company. Sure. Oh, what do you think? We could be taking the, the coffee. coffee and stuff, right? Yeah. You know, I would have had it. Saying, what do you think about this? Right. I've got an experience going on. It's all about the great. experience. I'm so That's, with you. Listen, the only, listen, an artist today, you can't sell music. What can you sell? There's several things. One is the relationship, right? If you've got something, you can sell your relationship and people will pay for being close to you to follow your stuff. And the second sure. thing is an experience. And they, and you, if it doesn't have an experience anymore, you can't, it doesn't make any sense. And you have to figure out how to rise above the noise and create things that people care about. So, you know, this is a great time and people need to understand everything is going to be tokenized. So like with our living show, which we're going to be launching, that entire show will be tokenized and all so many things are going to be uh, uh, turned into NFTs throughout the entire event, because every piece of that, once you tokenize it, you add value. It has value. Yep. 
And that's a big difference. And remember, anybody that owns that token now has a marketplace that they can go buy and sell and trade. And, Absolutely. and that adds. so if you think if you're a young band, people say, well, how does this work? I can understand if you're a big band and you've got lots of people and your stuff is valuable. And I'm saying, well, no, wait, it starts out different. If I'm a young band and I'm going to go make a record right now, first of all, I would, you know, let's say I'm going to do an EP. I got five songs. Each of those five songs, I would team up with some great artist and we'd create pieces of art that would go with each song. Sure. And then I would offer this a limited addition to those because then if i'm a fan of that band i buy one of those and that band turns into you too my my thing oh. i paid 15 bucks for is turns into being one hundred and fifty thousand dollars well, or there's, whatever the there's page is. one out of your playbook right there <laughs> on yeah, unsigned exactly. artists and i was going to get to that later and just you know ask you for your advice for them we, we feature an unsigned artist every, every week on our show and yeah. um yeah that's that's great advice. Linking linking up with an artist to make something that's both visual and tangible and then also with a track and that can even, you know, to capture the mood. That's fucking brilliant. That's plus awesome. you can plus you can gamify NFTs. You can start putting interactive experiences in those that only certain people get to unlock. Man. And there's tradeability and there's other things that can be put into that. So it's a it's a fascinating space because remember, when is it when you're like if you look at the Kings of Leon thing, right? They did they went out, they put twenty thousand yep. records out. You yeah. sold them as an yeah. NFT, right? They made close to two million bucks in that sh what seven minute or whatever the auction period was, right? And now those things are trading and people that have them, there's only twenty thousand of those that'll be ever be there. So the people trade those up as that value goes up, those people have bought something that has value. Yep. You know, if you used to buy a record, the only value you had is if you took it back to the record store that would buy used records. But this is different. If I have a specific edition of that thing and I can prove the, the authenticity of that, which is why the blockchain is so powerful, then that is a that's a rare. It creates rarity and scarcity. Remember, that's what this is about. Scarcity. I mean, everybody needs to understand what's going on right now in the crypto world because NFTs are part of crypto. It's cryptology. It's a yes. token. It's. It's a different, we have a, you know, there's a two different types of tokens. Uh, an NFT, NFT for those out there don't know, stands for non-fungible token. A fungible token is like Bitcoin or right. one of the coins, Ethereum. And so people, so you understand what it is. So when it's fungible, it means that if I have one Bitcoin and you have a Bitcoin and I give you my Bitcoin and you give me your Bitcoin, I can walk away and nothing changed. So I have a dollar, I give you my dollar bill, you give me your dollar bill, I still have a dollar. That's fungible. Non-fungible is where I have this dollar and you have something else and you can't you can't interswap them. Right. So that means it's a non-fungible token. So the whole idea of tokenizing everything, we're 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 moving into Chuck E. Cheese for the planet. It's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Seriously. Basically what it is. 50 tickets for that song, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. That's right. 50 tickets for that song, right? Even tickets are going to be tokenized. Because people are going to want to know, oh, I was at that concert. Well, I'll sell you my ticket stuff. Oh, yeah. right? it's value. It's yeah. valuable. It's value. Let's get back into the concert. I, I love the technology that you're developing for the show. I've yeah. heard you mention about interactive clothing that's connected to your smartphone, yeah. shoes that turn your body into a speaker. This is so up yeah. our alley. We love talking about new yeah. tech. Hit us I need this. to hear more about those. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a technologist, you know, I'm, that's been my whole life. I've kind of married technology and entertainment. That's kind of been my my lane that I went after. And there's no question, like I said, people will pay for experiences because I started realizing yeah. that when you're seeing things like, you know, the uh, uh, Museum of Ice Cream. 
these pop-ups that are popping up and there's yep. lines around the block for people going there and you got selfie stations and people that can do things. So you can start thinking about the experience pace part of it. What are people going to do when they get to the concert? The interactive clothing was fantastic because I could just tap on your shoulder and it would launch this thing. And all of a sudden I can post, I can take our picture and tap and then post it. And it goes to all of our, all of our social feeds. So there's ways to create technology and experience, obviously with AR, right? Yeah. That's another thing where we were doing stuff where we built AR, where we're, you could be watching the show up on the screens and you, there's certain times that come up, you hold your phone up and you get more data and more information. So people are reusing phones everywhere we go. And instead of having them take the phones out, we figured out, well, they got them. Let's get them to use them and make it part of the event. So yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm big on all kinds of new technologies and uh, kind of the experience stuff that's going on. And what's interesting about the uh, living show that we're doing um, we're basically, it's a, it's a simulcast. So we're simulcasting our experience to other venues. And in that we have a whole system that we put in those venues that create the experience for everybody so that we have a shared experience amongst the venues where we are live and where they are there. So we're really experimenting with that idea of, you know, you got a band, uh, uh, let's see the chili peppers show up at our venue here in Los Angeles. And we broadcast that experience out to the, uh, different venues that we're located with and then they sell tickets there and they're actually part of the show because of the way we set up the screens and all that stuff. We bring the fans in and it's uh, we try to create a whole experience so that so the cool. idea is we can make it happen all over the world at the same time. Right. That's awesome. That's great. Yep. That's really cool. Tell us about the shoes that turn your body into a speaker. I've got yeah, to hear so, about this. Yeah, so a friend of mine is a big venture capitalist, and they just put $10 million into this company. And he said to me, he said, dude, we just put $10 million in this company. You put, you, they turn your body, they turn you into a speaker. And you put these shoes on, and you vibrate, and you buzz, and you broad, you kind of like broadcast. It's like the trippiest thing. And then um, everybody around, you feel it. He says, once you listen to music this way, you will never want to listen to music again uh, another way. So it makes you part of the experience. We were going to experiment putting, uh, uh, you know, 400 pairs on people at our events and just see what that was like. So we were just getting ready to do that until the, when COVID hit and we didn't get a chance to. So I, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to get in and really do a deep dive into do the a technology because yes unfortunately my, my imagination goes wild with that like what yeah. it really is is probably a, a different way to feel the music and to absorb music what i'm thinking is is it is a way you can open your mouth and be a, a human speaker exactly it's trippy so um yeah really unfortunately is. i didn't get a chance to really get into it dive into a deep, but dive dive into it deep but i'm planning hopefully we'll get to start this up again soon all this with pink floyd going on in the mm -hmm. background wow all this with pink floyd yeah yes. yeah it was fun wow yeah it's a trip you know you can't go wrong when you play pink floyd it always works it it's always fun. works in every situation yes it's always yeah. an experience and there is it's so much experience. more to pink yep. floyd than just music you think of technology a powerful brand it's it's timeless yet oh. progressive and you're the exact same way there's just so much more to you than music yeah um i mean you've already you know talked about the different things you're working on right now that's awesome are you still building the ignited live network uh, we act, I actually sold Ignited, well, Livin.Live we're building, but I, I, Ignited Network, 
which was the my mobile messaging and media company. Yeah. We actually sold we sold that this last year. Uh, we actually had a company that licensed our technology and used it in their company, and then they got a a big pitch to be uh, funding from a venture capitalist that was going to put like ten million bucks into the company. And they said they need they didn't want to license anymore. Would we sell it to them? And I looked at my partner and I said, you know what? I want to get back into playing. So let's just sell it to them and move on. And we did this, and we it was a nice little exit, and we just decided to move on and. I wanted to get back into playing and that's why I, I started think cause I wanted to not only be in the, t- cause I'm a serial entrepreneur. I wanted to be in the business side, but I wanted to play more. And so I just, that's why we just started thinking I moved in that direction. Speaking of playing, do you get insulted by being called a saxophone player? Because I feel like that's almost insulting because you play guitar and keyboards and have done percussion well, I'm really and more sta- of a- started with trumpet. Uh, it's a lot more Man, than not- saxophone. Dude, you've done your homework. That's funny. I was a trumpet player when I started out. I I, I call that the coil of torture because uh, that thing is most painful, hardest thing to play in the world. And I switched to saxophone later on in college. But no, I'm happy with being called a saxophone. I mean, you know, I, my favorite is playing guitar. Uh, I love oh. the guitar. It's like my favorite thing. But I'm mostly known as a saxophone player. And I love saxophone, too. Don't get me wrong. It's it's a it's a wonderful thing. I mean, just being a musician, I feel so blessed. It's such a gift. Uh, it allows me to connect with the source, basically. You know, that's the beauty of playing music is you get to get lost in it and kind of not be connected to the world. You get to go into the music world. That's such a gift, you know, for us. So very thankful. Yeah. No, I don't I don't get insulted. I'm happy to be a saxophone player. I mean, you are absolutely incredible. And, and money, oh, thank you. I can I mean, it's got to be so fun playing saxophone during having your money moment where it's just like all you up there. I mean, that's just fun to listen to. I can't imagine what it's like to be you to actually play it. it, You know, it is very interesting. I mean, listen, standing next to Dave Gilmore, my God, man, he's my, he's like my music guru, my hero. He basically, I learned so much from him uh, just about music in the, in the sense that, you know, when you're a lot of times when you're a saxophone player and you're playing, you're trying to be all kinds of saxophone gymnastics, you know, and you're playing <laughs> jazz, trying to play all these, all this stuff, right. You're playing all these notes and stuff. And I learned from Dave, Dave is the master of melody. He made, he changed my playing completely yeah. to the point to where I said, you know what, I'm not going to try to play a lot of notes. I'm going to try to play stuff that people can follow along with. They can sing along with, play melodies. And so he, he completely changed the whole group. But, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really a trip playing and, and, you know, getting to play on that. Now, I remember, this is funny. You just made me bringing this up when you said how cool it was. I, I have one memory that comes to me always uh, during when we would do Us and Them, yes. you know, the, yes. mo- the song Us and oh, Them, God. which was my... Which was my favorite song to play as a, you know, because it was a lot of saxophone, right? Of course. But the funny part was, is they used to have this light that was behind me, like this super beam of light, right? And so when I'd go into my solo, the the stage would go dark and they'd shoot this high beam of light, right? And I'd be just like glowing. But but what was so funny was, is I could see myself, you know, like when you do your, you know, when you make your hand look like a bird when you get in front of a light. (laughs) So across the back of the stadium, I would see this giant me. Right. <laughs> so you saw an enormous silhouette. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't see myself playing to the silhouette. <laughs> Nobody it's else so cool, though. They're all looking this way, but I'm looking that way. And there was like a you know a hundred foot Scott Page. 
be a cool shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was cool. And actually, I found in a video the other day, because I've been going through my archives, I shot about 150 hours of video on that on, you know, on that last tour. And um, I was going through it, and uh, I found a spot, because I, I always told people about that, and I found a place where I had my camera set up, oh. and I actually captured that. So I thought I was that was going to be the cool. coolest shot just ever. Uh, so funny. Yeah, funny bit. Well, I'm eager to keep going, but before we do, let's take a break. If you enjoy hearing from people with too much useless knowledge, misguided pop culture commentary, and strange obsession with facial hair, the Bearded Men podcast is for you. Join these underachievers from Southern Vermont as they continue their journey this spring to discover the most overrated movie of all time. Listen to the Bearded Men podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and wherever great shows are given away for free. New episodes air every Sunday at 8 o'clock Eastern. Grow a beard and go get you some. Hi, everybody. Thank you for listening to Something Crunchy, and we hope you're enjoying the episode. It now pays to crunch down every week because we're hooking you up with big discounts from big brands. Up to 35% off Invicta watches using code CRUNCHY and apparel from 8080, where in addition to 10% off using code CRUNCHY, every dollar you spend goes towards an entry in their dream car giveaway. Don't forget to join the Something Crunchy Facebook group for updates, polls, and the web's crunchiest memes. You can find us on Twitter at crunch underscore cast, and feel free to send any questions and track submissions to somethingcrunchy at gmail.com. Now let's get back to the show. And we're back, crunching down with the one and only Scott Page. So you grew up around both music and television with your dad on the Lawrence Welk show. Yeah. Uh, tell us about growing up like this and how it shaped your path. Wow, man, you have done your homework. <laughs> uh, yeah, I grew up. Yeah, I grew up in a musical family. My father was a wonderful, great musician, wonderful musician, um, and he was on a television show called the Lawrence Welk show, which was back in the day was one of the you know there was only seven channels on television then, and that show <laughs> was right. the number one variety show on TV. It happened yeah. every weekend. And so he was on that show for 14 years. So I grew up in that space. And so I guess one of my biggest claim to fame on the planet that I can say that nobody else in the entire world has ever done. I played on, I played in Lawrence Welk and Pink Floyd. That's awesome. So cool. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a, now that's a story for you. Cause you think of Lawrence Welk, right? You think of all the champagne music, right? This, this kind of stuff, a little corny and a little funny, but uh, complete yeah, opposite. So, I used to watch Lawrence Welk with my grandfather. I have fond memories of that show. Love of it. course you do. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I grew Floyd up in moments. The, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny. I've like I've been going right like because of all this NFT stuff and everything in my life. I've been wanting to, you know, I I've been a massive collector, and I like I had three things I wanted to do in my life. One is I wanted to do music, then I wanted to do business, and then third I wanted to do documentary. Right. So I've been collecting wow. all this stuff, boxes and boxes, storing in a in a storage bin for you know 40 years of paying I mean, think of this how stupid i was i've been paying for 40 years 700 dollars a month for a storage bin <laughs> just add, <laughs> add that money up i could have bought a house for that right? well it'll, 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 it'll pay for itself bin. though it, yeah, yeah. that says it's begging there. to be a project 
and most of that stuff, a lot of the stuff that was in there was still junk too, but I mean, I kept my, a lot of my good stuff in there. And so I've just been pulling that all out right now and going through it all. And I'm just like, I can't even believe it. It's trippy to go back and look at your life because these boxes I haven't opened in 23 years. I mean, it's, they're just, I packed them, put them up, put them away and never looked at it. And I just started looking at it. I actually went to uh, about a year or two, two couple of years ago, Dave Gilmore uh, did a, uh, a live broadcast from uh, uh, Pompeii. It was broadcast to all the music, all the theaters around the country. So I said, oh, I'm going to go watch Dave do his thing. So I went to the, see the broadcast. It was a one night only thing. And I saw it and I decided, I said, I came, I decided to come home. So I got home and I said, you know what? Those couple boxes, I got two big boxes that say Pink Floyd on them downstairs. And I'm going to go down and open them up, see what's in there. I brought him up and I laid it out. I wish if we were on air, I'd show you this thing. I cannot yeah. believe I have unused tickets from every show. I we have like every pack. I have freaking every form of t-shirt, bootlegs, freaking wreck. I mean, just crazy stuff that I collected that I didn't even realize I had. And now I just, I just, it blew my mind. So it's just, it's very interesting. And so I've been going through all that lately and I uh, just digitized, you know, 150 hours of Pink Floyd behind the scenes video and stuff, which has been just incredible to watch. It's so funny to look at yourself because I hadn't touched that, you know, that particular stuff in, you know, 25, 30 years. So I hadn't known it was in it. Are you planning on doing a documentary with it? Uh, partly, but I'm partly, I'm building a lot of NFTs out of it. So I, that's, I'm, that was the next thing I was going to say. I was talking about an NFT opportunity. Oh yeah. This is why I like this because part of it is, is I'm, you know, I'm at a stage in my life where I just want to, I want to turn everything over to the planet, right? I don't need to keep it anymore. And I have so much memorabilia and things that I have, I physical things, videos. I was, a, you know, I'm, photography was my hobby. So I, while I was on the road, I made photography and videoing a, uh, you know, project in the sense and you know it's funny uh, uh when i got my i bought a camera at the time it was a super vhs when we were out and we were in japan and i ran out got this camera because you couldn't get them in the states at the time and i remember bringing it back and there was everybody was in the in the uh dressing room and we're all there and i got my new camera and i'm shooting everybody and uh, dave gilmore walks up and he says dude you're gonna get tired of this you're gonna do it for a couple days right no. two years later <laughs> after two years on the tour gilmore pulls me he says Hand that camera to this guy. So he hands it to Gary Wallace, the, the percussionist. And he says, film this. And he says, this guy, Scott Page, has been doing this to me for two years. <laughs> and, then he, and then he did a funny, explicit hit that I won't say. And we <laughs> laughed. And it was so funny. But, yeah, I mean, I just never stopped, right? I just <laughs> never stopped because I, I made it a hobby and a thing. And now when I'm looking at this, I haven't even looked at it all yet. Because, you know, to sit down and look at a 150 hours of video, that's a gig. Oh, you probably got some good stuff in there. Oh, my God. What I've found so far is just unbelievable. I can't even believe it. It's just how fun. How did I catch that? You know, like, because I, it wasn't so much about the shows. It was really the behind the scenes. I was going to say the stuff the in between the, the shows and behind the yeah. scenes. Yes. Yeah. So everybody watch up to here. And then at this point of my, my, my thing, then you watch the video and then you pick it up afterwards and I'll give you the after show stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, the one I'm working on right now is we, you know, we played Venice, Italy, and it was one of the greatest rock concerts in history. They floated these two barges down from Oslo that were the size of football fields. Oh, and they God. built, they built the entire stage on the water 150 oh. yards off of St. Mark's Square. And they built the sound mixing console was out on a, you know, on a little thing that they built out there. Wow. And it was a free fleet Pink Floyd concert. And 
hundreds of thousands of people showed up and basically closed down the city. People were living on their gondolas for the days while we were setting up. And, you know, so I just saw this as such an opportunity and nobody was really documented. So I just basically pretty much stayed up for five days and just filmed this whole thing. And going back and looking at it now, it was so remarkable to see this event and uh that's one of the things i'm working on right now for my first nft is to uh show this story and i'm doing it in a very interesting way i'm not doing it like you would think and you'll be surprised when you see how this is being done but it's fascinating to look at this footage again and just watch it go down and we know it's really cool which i had no ideas there's so many great tools now so i'm upsampling it all to 4k yeah. So here was I'm on my super VHS camera and I've up sampled this stuff all before and it looks fantastic. I can't even believe the tech how it can do that now. So so I'm very excited. So oh, I'm building all wait. these things. Yep, yep. And then I have a whole bunch of things that so I'm basically it's it's my it's I'm basically it's it's my Pink Floyd experience, my Moscow Music Peace Festival experience, oh, my, wow. uh, my, you know, all these things that I've had. And I'm going to basically start unleashing these and sending this stuff out. And I also have a lot of physical things that are going along with it. So I shot thousands of photographs, all black and white, because I was a, you know, big Ansel Adams yeah. system guy. Oh, so I, I was studying that. all that. Every photographer so, goes through that phase. Yep. So I went through that phase and I was shooting nothing but black and white. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically take all these photos. I'm going to make one print and I'm going to mount the negative in with it. And that's going to be sold. So you're going to get, nobody's ever seen these photos. This will be an NFT. The first one you're going to be able to buy, the first guy that buys the one will get the actual physical photograph mounted with the negative. negative. So that's why I'm going to take thousands of these photos and I'm going to get them all out there in that way because I want to get it out in the world. Because what I love about this NFT and the whole idea, it's basically putting, it's moving the physical world into the digital world, right? And so this is going to archive everything. So I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm, I'm basically tokenizing everything I have that's a collectible and just going to put it out there so that people can have it because, you know, we don't live forever. And it's true. I don't need it. I can't take it with me and I want to at least get it out there. So I'm, I'm very excited about this NFT place and how I can get my collections and things out to the world. And it's a great way to inventory basically all of your collectibles. If you don't know what you have, yep. everything is in an NFT. You will know exactly what you have. That's right. And I'll know it's the original and it's on the blockchain. Right? It's beautiful. Yep. Well, here's your one hardball question, Mr. Page. Uh-oh. I hope you can handle the heat. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't do it. Okay, Which band partied the hardest? Supertramp, Toto, or Pink Floyd? Partied the hardest? Partied the hardest. Just depends on who you were hanging with. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. And they all had, everybody had places to party. I mean, you know, I always, I always kid, you know, I always say, you know, I feel like I'm the most, I'm the most, I am the most grateful and feel blessed human being that ever lived and I'm alive to talk about it. <laughs> and I, I really don't know how that's possible. Thinking about what we did as those kids will do have party on and, you know, yeah, I've had more fun than any human being, man. I've and, and I'm alive to talk about it. And, uh, you know, it's just, it really depends. I mean, there's always, there's certain people that take it harder than others. And, uh, you know, there's also the code of ethics that we have as musicians. We don't talk. Understood. <laughs> oh, I kind of like hearing that at the same time. Like as much as I'm like dying to know all the juicy details, uh, I totally oh respect like the code. Oh, oh, if I could tell the stories, they're just incredible. <laughs> yeah, you're teasing I can't us. even we'll believe that. I can't later. even believe it. 
I cannot even believe it, actually, when I look back now and I'm going, oh, my God, what were we doing? What were we thinking? What? Why, how did that? What? I did that? <laughs> you know, like, oh, my gosh. Do and when I, you think that the most, which band are you surrounded by? <laughs> which one do I what? And when you're thinking that the most, which band are you surrounded by in those memories? Is it Supertramp, uh, Toto, or Pink Floyd? <laughs> all, all the bands were good. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, it, they were all different, right? They were all very different. I mean, the Toto guys were my, my brothers. We grew up together. I was in a kid band with them called Merciful Soul Band with actually Jeff Picaro and David Page. Wow. When I was when I was a kid, we had a band called Merciful Soul Band. And it was a it was a horn band with it was like Chicago Blood, Sweat and Tears. And we had I, mm-hmm. I played the I was the worst guy in the band. I played second trumpet. That was what I did. And then <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Picaro and David Page, they all their careers took off like crazy and you know, doing boss skags and all that stuff. But I, I sucked. I couldn't play worse shit. And I decided <laughs> that's when I, I decided to take music on full time. I was actually at the time I was studying to be a draftsman. I took design and that was my whole thing. And I was actually working for a company called Audiodyne in the at that time, drawing exploded views of parts and things. Right. You know, and I, and those were the days there was no computers, right. We did that by hand. We wow. had that good pencil technique and, you know, using rulers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I was pretty good at that. And um, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I started playing in the band with all these guys were winning all the battle of the bands and i had that big realization there's girls at these games <laughs> there's fun. no girls at my job in the daytime i'm sitting there drinking it's me and my 20 cups of coffee and i said you know what this ain't for me i'm gonna be a musician so i told my parents i said i'm done i'm done i'm done with all this stuff i'm gonna be a musician now pop and he was like obviously being a musician he said go go for it so um, I took my drafting skills because I wasn't very good and I was just getting into college and I decided that I'd take up music copying and music copying was in the old days again, no computers, you know, a, a composer. I was working for a guy named H.B. Barnum, who was doing all the record date and everything. And he would call me up and say, dude, I got a chart that needs to be copied. And, you know, he writes the score where the score has, you know, the trumpets, the trombones, the saxophones, the guitars, all that on one sheet. And then I had to extract the trumpet layer out onto one chart. Oh, one that sounds <laughs> terrible. Oh, yeah. So I had to write out every part, right? I just copy what he had onto a trumpet part so I could the trumpet player would have a part because they couldn't read the score. And so I did that and that was how I kept myself alive while I was studying. And I didn't just I went whole hog into the music scene and had multiple teachers and I studied from some of the best and I just, you know, did that. So I kept myself alive by doing music copying because it was at least I was in the game and you know, and then just kind of worked my way up and, you know, played every gig I could and got lucky. And, you know, it's all about it's all about, uh, you know, relationships. And, you know, I was one of those guys that would realize that in order to, you know, get anywhere, you had to be where the scene was. And so if every time I got a gig to play at a cool club like Madame Wong's or, you know, the, the whiskey or some of those places where the industry was, I would always take them, whether they were free gigs or I was getting paid, I'd turn down paid gigs to go play those gigs because I knew that, you know, you had to be where the industry was. That's where they made their built the relationships and yeah. stuff. So, and that was the case. And, you know, and a perfect example was I used to play a gig on uh, Monday nights at a place or mo- Sunday and Mondays at a place in uh, 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 Toluca Lake. And, you know, it's so funny. I can't remember the play, the name of it right now. It's so strange. I can't remember. I was there for years. Right. And so, um, <laughs> It's that old age, brother. You know, it happens. You forget about it. it happens. But anyway, it was a club we played in, and um, there was a guy that was sitting in the back of the, 
room and he'd always every week we'd be there having a beer very quiet and everything so i walked up and i said hey what's your name he says, my name's bob i said okay hey, bob what do you do he says, i play drums i said well, what do you do he says well i play drums in a band called super tramp and we're here making a record at a&m records and stuff and so i became buddies with him there and we became friends and stuff and talking and they did breakfast in there. It all went out. And then years later, uh, I was doing a, uh, I was playing with Diana Ross and I was in Las Vegas. We were doing a gig there and I got a call from Bob and he says, Hey, we're looking for somebody. And here that was because of that relationship I had was years later. He says, we're looking for somebody to come join the band. I said, would you be interested? I said, well, yeah. He said, well, can you come into audition? And I said, well, my, my day off in Vegas was on Wednesday. I said, I can come out Wednesday. I can fly Wednesday and come into town. And then I got to fly back that night. So I flew in and I got the gig. And then I went and told Diana that I can't go on much longer. I'll finish up this date. And then I'm, I'm leaving. And then uh, I left and went and did super. So you never know where it's going to come from. And then during wow. the super tramp, so then during Super Tramp, uh, Dave Gilmore comes over to guest on the Super Tramp record. And we hang out that day and um, he plays on the Super Tramp record and stuff. And that yeah. night I had a, I had a club gig right down the street with a band I have called the Hang Dynasty, which is still around. And it's just it's really made up of great players like Lee Scalar from Phil Collins band and Jeff Baxter from the Doobie brothers and wow. you know, all these different guys. And we were playing down the street. So I invited Gilmore and everybody came down and we partied that night and we played and hung out. And then I invited him to an event I was doing a week later and he came to that. And, um, the next thing I know, I get a call it says, come play some, put some solos on the record. I went and put solos on the record and then a couple, you know, a couple days later, I get a call and it's Dave on the phone. And he says, Hey dude, we're going out. We want to Brad and guys, you want to join the band? Would you be part oh. of this? And, and then, but here's, what's funny was as I, I, I said, let me think about it. What? And the reason I said How that, because to be say a, this? because here's why I knew nothing about Pink Floyd. I knew nothing wow. about Pink Floyd at that time. Cause hard I was in believe. the, no, I'm, I'm serious. It's a heart attack. Cause I was so into junior Walker and R and B and Stevie wonder and, you know, oh, nice. saxophone isn't yeah. in that sort of psychedelic space. So I wasn't paying any attention. I knew Floyd because I said, well, I think they had this song, Have a Cigar. I kind of remember that. And that's about all I knew. So when I got called, I mean, Dave came to believe. He said he was from Pink Floyd. I said, great. He's a guy coming guessing. But I didn't realize the magnitude of Pink Floyd at that time at all. And so when he called me up, I said, well, you know, Dave, let me think about it. Because I was working on a project because he says, you know, we're going out for two years. <laughs> so that's like you're saying, okay, pack your shit up for two years, yeah. right? And it's like well, that's a pretty big commitment, yeah. especially when you were working on a project. This project that he came to see, and I was in the middle of editing. That was my own thing, and I was pulling that all together. And so, um, uh, uh, I I said, let me think about it, Dave, and I'll get back to you. Let me because I got to let me think. I said, okay, fine. So I called up my buddy and I said, you know, last week I got to play on this Pink Floyd record. The guy said, dude, you played on a Pink Floyd record. I said, yeah. I said, I went and played and I did this thing. I put these solos on this record and stuff. And it was like, wow, how cool is that? And I said, wow. And he said, then I get a call from the, the guitar player, this guy, David, David Gilmore. He said, David Gilmore called you on the phone. I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, and he said, well, you want to join the band? And I said, well, I don't know. He said, dude, you got to do that gig. He says, he starts telling yes. me how big this is. So that night, I remember going to going to Tower Records because it used to be open 24 hours, right? And I went wow. to Tower Records and I bought the album, Dark Side of the Moon, and I bought a handful of Pink Floyd records to listen to because I had no idea. So I went and listened to it and went, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it, okay, yeah, it's yeah, cool. And everybody, all my friends are saying, you're an idiot if you don't do this. <laughs> you better. You are a complete idiot. And so I said, okay. And then now I end up in Toronto. We're at the, at the, inter, at the, uh, 
uh, enter uh, uh, the uh, Toronto airport and I'm getting shuttled out to an airplane hangar in the middle of the tarmac. And I walk in and there's beds flying and pigs flying and this massive thing there. And I went, holy crap, this is a big deal. You know, right? it would have been a mistake to, to not have joined. Oh, them. dude, biggest mistake I would have made in my life. Absolutely. If I didn't do that it doesn't life. get any bigger than, than Pink Floyd. No. I don't think that any other band has had more of their songs covered than Pink Floyd. Are there any that you've heard that you like, actually enjoyed? You know, I don't, any I don't heard know. Something I, special? You know, I, I wouldn't even really know that, to be honest, how many covers. I mean, there's a lot of people playing Floyd tunes for sure. I have no idea. I mean, when you say covered, you mean people playing them? I, yeah. I guess I'd imagine. I mean, you definitely hear it, a lot of it. You I hear guess, a lot of it. But I mean, there's not too many people that play Mustang Sally. You hear that everywhere, right? <laughs> it's kind of hard to believe that. I played that so many times through the years. <laughs> More times than I played Have a Cigar. <laughs> really? Wow. Oh, yeah. Big time. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, standards that you play. I wouldn't say Pink Floyd is really known in the standards world. Because, you know, when you think of standards, yeah. you, every breath you take, uh, you know, Mustang Sally, uh, you know, all those kinds of songs that are just traditional pop songs. Because Floyd wasn't really pop, right? They weren't they weren't a number one pop hits. You never heard it there, but they, you know, they were on the billboard charts for almost, I think it was 20 years or something uh, in the top 200. So it's, it's one of those longevity kind of culture changing kind yeah. of bands, right? Yeah. A little different than, than pop songs. We have. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, you are about as crunchy as a get, Mr. Page. Uh, this has been crunchy, so fun. <laughs> thank you so, yeah, so, so much. You. I'm happy. I'm very thankful to be on your show. Really, I, honest to God, I, I'm, I love doing this with people, and I can tell you guys are, you know, this is a great show. You got some fun going on there, and you know, like I said, this is a great time for people to get into business. This is the greatest time as an entrepreneur I've ever seen. And you're look at look at you. You've got a business now. You couldn't have competed like this, you know, ten years ago. No, right? you're exactly. Exactly right. And we love the optimism and we that, that outlook. Like that is so good. It, it has been a real treat to have you on. And you can follow the legendary Scott Page on all of his social media platforms at I am Scott Page and get updates and info on the Think Floyd Tour at thinkexp.co. Um, you are just the coolest, really. We are so appreciative for the opportunity to have you on. Well well, thank you very much. And anytime, man, I love to talk. I love to hang out with people and especially people that are interesting and fun to talk to. So, you know, please, uh, anytime you want to chat, my friend, there's a lot we can talk about. Yeah, well, next time the... we'll, next time we'll get into my favorite subject, consciousness. Yeah. So oh, if you want to get in, oh if you yes, want to get in, please. go deep. We're going to start next time with consciousness. Nailed it on the head. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Ah, that's dude. my thing. I, that I'll talk to you about that all day long. Oh, that's really picking up on our vibe. In the right room. Yes. Like, I, I mean it when I say we will take you up on that. Yeah. Talking to the right people. For that. No, we will have we'll a it. whole conversation just on that. I'm serious. Blair just oh, got yeah, to access Anytime. her Acacia Records last weekend. That is true. <laughs> what was that? I'm sorry. I said Blair got to access her Acacia Records last weekend. Oh, there you go. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and we will be right. eager and ready to attend the show when the tour is back up and on. I cannot wait to see what you come up with next. Thank you oh, for yeah. your time. And I am so excited to talk to you again soon, Mr. Page. Thank you very, very much for having me. And hello to everybody out there in podcast land. And remember, stay positive. It's all going to work out. You've just got to look for the upside of down because there's a lot there. Don't get mired in all the crap. There's too many good things going around. Get out there, smell the roses, enjoy this ride. It's all about yeah. the ride. Folks. So well said. It's all about the ride. Thank, yep. Thank so you much, so Mr. much, Mr. Page. Scott Page. Thank you. Page. And the crowd roars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Have a good you. one. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. 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 Just a little bit of crunching with a rock legend. No big deal, Blair. What an awesome guy. I feel like so we are brothers from another mother. Was he not oh, he so was, up our alley? Yeah. He was speaking Tyler's language the whole time. Oh. Going from consciousness to NFTs yeah. to just oh, like just psychedelic shows. Yeah. I mean... Tyler was just a perfect fit for I'm in. all Mr. of Tyler's Page. buttons right there. <laughs> Did that show not sound fucking awesome yeah. too? We need to we go to the go. show. Need to take some pictures and I need that get experience in my life. At the Think Floyd show. Yeah. You know, before we started, Blair was getting her notes right for the show. And so she was like, So the Think Pink is what we're gonna <laughs> it's the name of the Like, well, Blair, that's the name of your new OnlyFans page, <laughs> Think Pink. The name of the show is Think Floyd. Oh, right. Come on. I might think it's just a little mix up, but big difference there. (laughs) Cripes. God, that was a cool interview. That was awesome. That guy was super cool. Yeah. Super interesting. Man, super super tramp cool. And the fun doesn't stop here. We got some more big names coming on the show in some really fun episodes on deck. The deadline to enter for the 8080 Dream Car Giveaway number 44 for a McLaren 600LT plus $60,000 in cash is coming up on May 2nd. For a limited time, they're offering double the entries, meaning every dollar you spend now gives you not one, but two entries. You should be shopping here anyway. 8080 was one of our favorite brands before we were in cahoots, but the fact that you could actually win cars in cash for shopping there, come on, this is a no-brainer, y'all. So is visiting somethingcrunchy.com, where you will find every episode, our links for social media, and the Almighty Crunch Store, where you will find all kinds of crunchy gear showing that you are a proud citizen of Crunch Nation. Don't hesitate to come get weird into Something Crunchy Facebook group, where 3,000 strong await your funniest memes and the nastiest shit you could find on the web. It's a good time, all the time. This has been another epic episode of Something Crunchy. And as always, don't ever forget to live your crunchiest life. And be crunchy to one another. Don't forget to subscribe, like, follow, and all that crunchy good shit. Thank you for listening. Wow, man, you have done your homework. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like you get an A, girl. <laughs> you get an A, girl. Let's rock.